This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Guys, we have a fantastic show in store for you tonight. We have some breaking news. If you've not seen our Facebook page yet, uh, TJ Finley is named the starting quarterback for Ed Orsron. What do, and the LSU Tigers. What does that mean? Let's break it down. What do I think? that LSU is going to do moving forward. We will touch on that. Also, I want your score predictions. How do you see the game going this Saturday at 6 o'clock in Death Valley? So we got a lot to touch on. Yes, my Franklinton Demons, my alma mater, is playing tonight. So I got to rep the, the Franklinton Demons. So if you see the new hat, if you see the new hat, okay, that's what it's for. I got to rep. I got to represent, y'all. I gots to do it. But either way, we're going to talk a lot about TJ Finley and this game coming up. Also, our good friend, Zach Pearson, former LSU baseball player, Zach Pearson, and former minor league player, major league player in baseball, is going to be joining us around 7.15 on stream. Really excited to talk to Zach. Also, is this game for LSU Saturday a must-win we're going to talk about that as well. But before we get started in all of that, let's get to some of these comments right off of the top. Oh, thank you, baby. My wife just brought me a water. I appreciate her doing that. <laughs> you got to get you a good wife, y'all. Ryan Mayer, what's up? Daryl Fontenot, man, let's go. Dylan Landry, it is Thirsty Thursday, my man. It's Thirsty Thursday. 
Joseph, what is happening? Joseph, remind me, there's a debate tonight. I had absolutely no clue. That just should tell you how much I pay attention more to sports than I do anything else. Marvin Mackey, what's up, my man? Nick Gidry, what's happening? Please show up Saturday. Please, baby Jesus, show up. (laughs) I think that they will. I think the defense will. Sean Rice, what's happening? He said, let's go, TJ, 38-17 for the Tigers. All right, well, we'll get into that in just a second. But before we get to that, as always, guys, we got, and I talked to Trey today, we got to get over to our friends over at GM Varnado and Sons. GM Varnado and Sons has faithfully been serving your dinner rings in Baton Rouge area for over 62 years. They take pride in their work and want to earn your business. They are ready to assist you with all of your automotive and big rig needs. With every and every single one, and I, when I say every single one, I mean it. Trained technicians. They will take care of all of your needs. Drive chain repair, AC work, big rig overhauls, motorhome chassis, oil changes, tire sales, tire rotations, tire repairs. No job is too big and or too small for GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them Blake Rafino over at AYS sent you. And since we're speaking about cars, you guys are going to have to go over to Robinson's brother Ford Lincoln and ask for Woody. Guys, the number one Ford salesman in all of Louisiana, and it's not close. You see the plaques right there. For all of your automotive needs, I know that Woody Clark and Robinson Brothers Ford will be your team to get you the new car that you're wanting. And hell, if you want a used car, they can do that as well. Give them a call today at 225-603-5432. That's 225-603-5432. And tell them that your friend Blake Rafino sent you. Okay, guys, we do got a lot to get into. I'm going to get to some of these comments. But give me your score predictions uh, for the game on Saturday, and we'll bring them on screen as always. Uh, Listen, here's some keys to the game. Yes, I do come prepared. Yes, I do. But again, if you guys are just joining us, hitting the like, hit the share, and we would appreciate that, and hit the retweet as well on Periscope Twitter. Uh, But TJ Finley is going to be making the start this Saturday. What does it mean? Ed Orgeron alluded to this. He said, and I don't believe, Ed, in this one bit whatsoever that it was extremely close, that it was 51% to 49%. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The last time we heard Ed Orgeron say that exact thing, he said it was 50, 50.1% for a guy by the name of Joe Burrow who beat out Miles Brennan. That's not true. From everything that I'm hearing, T.J. Finley absolutely rocked this week in practice. He had less drop balls from receivers. He was able to command the offense. The running game, for whatever reason, regardless, and we're going to see why on Saturday, got better with T.J. Finley. Is it a mixture, though? Is it a mixture that you've had two weeks to prepare, you have two weeks coming into this game, and you're going to fix a lot of things? That's what I believe. Gino says... LSU 28-21. Okay. Uh, let's see. Vic at the line 23 says TJ will run some RPO plays. Also, he's fast enough to do it. I believe that he is more mobile than Miles Brennan. It doesn't take a lot to be more mobile than Miles Brennan. It doesn't take a lot more. But all 71 of you, I believe, and I and I think we're going to see this a lot on Saturday, that Miles Brennan is, does not have the athletic ability that a TJ Finley is. Now, guys, I've told you for a long time. We talked about this on Tuesday. We talked about this on the Bill King Show 
on Wednesday. We talked about it here on the show last night. Mike Dettelier stopped by. Josh Booty, former LSU quarterback, stopped by. Go catch that episode from last night right here on RU Series Sports Network. And they all said the same thing, that TJ Finley has the gifts and the tools to lead a team. The question will be, with the inexperience that he has playing college football, will it get to him early? And I say no. I say no, at least not this week. At least not this week. I don't believe that it will. Now, will there be times that he possibly will get sacked? Yes. Will there be times he might make the wrong read? Yes. But as Ed alluded to, we're not going to be completely impatient with TJ. We know, we know that things aren't always going to go great. But I have a lot of faith, a lot, a lot of faith in TJ Finley. Uh, Blake says 24-17 LSU. Okay, I'm going to give you all mine. I don't know if – it's kind of all over the place, but from from what everybody's picking. Let's see. Daryl says SC 30-21. It pains me to post this. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a good prediction. I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo on anybody's predictions. But, Daryl, you, you could be right. I mean, look. We've talked about this all week. South Carolina is a very, very scrappy team, y'all. Very scrappy team. If they were practicing against our defense, can't count it yet. (laughs) Says Daryl Fontenot on Facebook Live. Yeah, Daryl. I mean, you got a point there. But let me tell you something. I'm going to make a hot take. And all, all of you that are watching us right now on our streaming services, we can see that it's 72 of you. I'm going to make a hot take. I think the defense shows up. I think that this is the week. I think Bo Pelini simplifies this defense, and they go and master three and four uh, defenses and defensive schemes, and we see a lot better. Guys, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 that's why my wife brought me a water. That's why my wife brought me a water. I get, you know, I need to start drinking a lot more water and hydrating. But I think that they're going to be try to try to master a couple of things instead of trying to be really good and a lot of things. Guys, you know the old saying that when, especially you business owners, if we have some business owners out there, shout out to you. But it's always the same concept. Master one thing. Would you better be a master at one thing or be just okay and good at a lot of other things? So I think that LSU comes out and masters it. I think that they go to man coverage. I think they mix in some zone. I think that we see, I think that we see a, a, a mixture of guys that we maybe have not seen on defense in this rotation. I think, as Mike Dettelier alluded to last week, I think that we see different guys up front in the front seven, and it could help LSU. Uh, let's see. At Vic, date is out again. Uh, I'm not sure. Five-star general, Dare. Oh, Dare is out again. Uh, I don't know if he's out again, but it looks like, and Mike Dettelier kind of pushed this out there last night. And guys, you heard me after the Missouri game in the postgame show. You heard me the following week, or so two weeks ago. You got to get Cam Wire in the football game. You have to put him on that offensive line and get him in the game. No question about that. Dare needs, I don't know if you, if you take Dare out, or maybe possibly uh, him and him and Cam Wire rotate, but we'll have to see. Marvin Mackey says, "Blake, I hope 
so softly and LBS will be key, or safety and linebackers will be key. I agree with that. I would suspect you might see another safety starting this week. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Maybe a little Jordan Tolls. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, Jamie Fortenberry says, who is the starting GF this weekend? GF. Fortenberry, what you mean, dog? I don't know what a GF means. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm a little too many of these AYS bourbons in to know exactly um, the official AYS bourbons to know what a GF is. Um, so let me know what that means. Jamie Hodges says we should see uh, Bakersville in the starting lineup. Well, that's a good thing, too, because, guys, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more base defense this week, too. South Carolina wants to come out and run a, a, a – look, when's the last time that y'all saw a, a team come out and run a power eye? Let me tell you the last time you saw that thing. Les Miles. Zach Pearson was still in school when Les Miles was there and we were doing – Hey, toss sweep right. Hey, toss sweep left. Hey, let's see if Brandon Harris can actually complete a pass tonight. <laughs> All right. We got a couple about a minute. We're going to get Zach Pearson in here. Uh, Marvin says, uh, Baskerville, not the answer either. Possibly not. Yep. We got f- the fake Les Miles in here, y'all. Breaking news. Les Miles has joined the show. I'm not saying he's the real one. I'm not saying he's the fake one. But Les Miles is in the show. What's up, guys? Jordan Tolls need to be at safety, too. I agree with that, man. Guys, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. He says, I'm the drunk one. I hear you. All right, well, let's get our good friend, Mr. Zach Pearson, into the show. Uh, Before we get to that, guys, I'm going to run through these quickly, as we do every Thursday, because we love to get our guests in. You got to get over to my guy and my friend, Mr. John Patton. Okay, with all the recent help from the Federal Reserve, the mortgage rates have been lower than they've ever been, ever. Give them a call today at 225-663-2500. That's 225-663-2500. And if, for all of your real estate needs, get over to the number one real estate team in all of the North Shore. Go to team.kw.com. That's team.kw.com. Give them a call at 985-467-7355. That's 985-467-7355. Tell them Blake Rafino sits you. All right, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Zach Pearson. What's up, Zach? What's going on, man? Oh, not much. You know, look, I got, look, I'm doing this for Evan and Clay right now. I got the, the Franklinton gear on. You know, Franklinton's going out to Bell Chase tonight. They're probably going to get their brains kicked in, but it's okay. Like, it's okay. No, it's not. Anyway. All right, Zach, let's, let's get here and let's start here. TJ Finley announced as the starter for Saturday. The number one question, and right here in my notes, that I was going to ask you tonight, two things, and we'll start first, and then it's going to be a back-end question here too. You've made your first start, and you've, or I say first start, but your first experience at LSU, your first time that you ever went in. Now, I know it's different. Okay, I know that it's different from baseball to football. But take us through that first time you win that game. I mean, Alex Box is electric in and of itself. When you went out there for the first time, what were you thinking? And did Paul Maneri give you an idea that you were going in that that night? And what was your feelings throughout the day? Um, 
so the first time I played, it looked like I'm cutting out. So I'm not sure if I am or not. But I'm, I'm taking to... care. I'm taking um, care of that on my end. You're good. You just keep going, brother. Okay. Um, so the the first time I got to pitch in Alex Box was funny. Uh, I was a junior, and I've I've never been the kind of guy who uh, gets nervous for any sporting event. It just wasn't really the way I worked. Um, and uh, I so I had a buddy who had transferred from JUCO with me. And he pitched before me, I think opening night or was some night opening weekend. And um, he said it. He said the same thing. He was like, dude, I never get nervous. I don't know what it is, but like I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. That's I was like, that sounds a little excessive. So then uh, I'm in the bullpen feeling very normal. I come in um, my first weekend of my junior year and I don't know what it is get on the mound and I really looked around one time I saw the fans and I felt like my knees were just going to give out and I don't know why it was like I didn't um I wasn't like afraid of like the outcome or anything it was just a weird uh super unique situation I don't know it's very 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 tough to explain well let me ask you this Zach because there's not going to be a lot of fans I say a lot of fans 25,000 fans will be in Tiger Stadium on Saturday yeah do you think not having a big crowd in this COVID situation helps a young guy like a TJ Finley uh, making his first start? Because to me, it would feel like, hey, yeah, there's going to be some fan noise, but not enough, right? So now it's just really going yeah. out there and playing. Do you think that that has a big factor in this game for uh, against South Carolina on Saturday? I think it can. Uh, it really depends. How does um... – is the is the stadium spacing out the twenty five thousand, or is it just twenty five thousand as close as they can get? I think it's spacing out. Uh, Robert Munson, who I think was there when you were there, or is are they spaced out or are they spaced out? There, you know how like Ole Miss did against Bama. Correct. They're going to be spaced okay. out. So there's going to be, from what I understand, okay, there's going to be a fan cutout cardboard, fan cutout cardboard. There's a reason why ESPN's not uh, showing the fans as often as they used to, right? So right, right, I, I think right. It'll, they'll get them pretty close. So my point with that uh, mainly being in a, in a stadium that's that big and designed for as many people as Tiger Stadium is, um, 25,000 fans spread out evenly looks empty and probably would feel and maybe sound empty. 25,000 right on top, though, would be a totally different thing. So I'm really not sure. Uh, I'm sure for your first experience, just being on the grass at all is going to be really, really, really unique, um, regardless of the stadium. But yeah, I bet it is a little different. Well, you know, Zach, I, 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 well, I, I just feel like LSU and and TJ Finley is going to be okay this weekend. Mm-hmm. You gave us a player perspective. How do you see the game going on? How do you see the game transforming? Do you think that LSU, although Miles Brennan's not going to be there, do you think that the Tigers will be able to come out with a win? I mean, huge question mark, right? Huge question marks. We what what we kind of needed to see for to have a little more confidence this weekend is a better um, a better running game when we needed it. Miles has been doing great, but what happens if Finley? does get nervous what happens if he makes a couple mistakes early which would be very normal can we can we give him the confidence can we let him know like we have your back also 
Um, and then on the other hand, he may come out guns blazing. He may be the savior of this offense that we don't even need. So you really, uh, who knows, man? I'm excited to see it, though. What I will say is, no matter what, the reason I can't bet on LSU games is because I'm just always going to pick LSU. So if they're if they're the if they're the underdog, I'm like, oh no, they're gonna win. And if they're if they're favored, I think they're gonna cover the spread. So I don't uh I, I think we're gonna win the game. I think we're the better team, but we've also lost to two teams so far that we were better than. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. As an upperclassman, okay, for an example, and and tell me if I'm wrong here because I'm I might be a little bit. But as an example, you have a guy like an Alex Lang or an Alex Bregman that's really talented, okay, but then comes in as a true freshman. You being an upperclassman, and, and, and we're going to talk about this later on the show, and we're going to talk about it a little ourselves. I'm going to call this week a must win. I know LSU's one and two. Yeah. It's the beginning of the season. It's a must win. Yeah. Take yeah. us through that locker room as a, as a former collegiate player. How do you – do you say anything to the young guys – as an upperclassman, are you do you just kind of let it ride a little bit? I think it has to be a little of both. Um, I think you can't be the guy who's all of a sudden um, the your entire mentality and attitude has changed. Because mm-hmm. even if you are saying all the right things, then the the first thing everybody sees is like, oh, that's panic mode. Right. Mm. So I think it has to be a little of both. I think LSU, I mean, what did we know about their team last year was the fact that their culture was sound. Like those dudes had it. They were in the locker room. There was no budging in there in that locker room. So I think that's in there. I think that's in the DNA. I think that's in the code. I think they had a couple a couple rough breaks, but I don't think the upper class can change anything. Now, it might be one of those like, hey, everybody get together, let's tighten up, let's get after it kind of things. I don't think it's a total revamp. I think you just keep going about your business. And if you're the better team, you figure it out. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I don't know really what you could say to a TJ Finley that would make him any less nervous. You know, like, I, what do you say? Hey, don't go out there and suck it up. I mean, I, mean, I was going to say yeah. something, you know, that started with an F. But you know what I, you know what I mean. Like, don't go out there and, and mess it up. You're not going to tell him that. Yeah. I think what you do yeah. is you give him confidence, like, hey, man, you're the guy. And I think O did that by announcing him as a starter publicly and not waiting until Saturday uh, uh, to do so. Former LSU pitcher Zach Pearson is our guest. I know that he's got a little bit of delay. I'm trying to fix that on my side. Uh, we, we will, I will fix it. I will fix it. I promise. Or I'm trying. Okay, we did have a question here from Dylan Landry. He says, hashtag Zach, how about them dance moves, though, in that video clip on the Twitter machine? You're going to get that as long as your life continues, Zach. I mean, it's just going to happen. So, well, I'll go to this one. Well, I'll ask you that later because it was something I was going to ask you anyway. Hashtag Zach, his prediction on Terrace Marshall in this game. I think he shows up Horn, who's potentially a first-round pick. For South Carolina. What a matchup. I mean, what a matchup. What's really funny is I went into uh, South Carolina's game last weekend thinking like, you know, I never really got to sit down and watch J.C. Horn start to finish because I just never really tune into South Carolina's games. Um, and I, it was just, a you know, the morning game or whatever. So I was like, let's see it. That kid is impressive, dude. He <laughs> the credit for that third interception. 
but he should have because he, I mean, he was responsible for all three of them. On the other hand, I still don't know who's guarding Terrace Marshall. Like, mm. I think, I think Terrace Marshall's success falls way more on the quarterback's shoulders. I think if you get the ball to him, he's going to get his catches. I really think that's how it's going to go. Well, and, you know, the stats, Zach, line that up to be so because over the last 15 games, he has 20 receiving touchdowns. An LSU record outside of a guy by the name of Jamar Chase, okay, because he had who's 20. Not that? Yeah, who doesn't suck. So you have Jamar a- Chase and Terrace Marshall, one at two. You know what? I'm yeah. going to take that, okay? Like, that's not sucky numbers, okay, by any stretch right. of the imagination. You mentioned yep. something about J.C. Horn and about, you know, that's going to be like a game inside a game. Did you ever have that experience? Like, did you ever go up against a guy, regardless if it was at Eunice, in high school, at LSU, wherever it was, that it was kind of like a game inside a game? Now, maybe not just you, but maybe like a team. Like, I remember Alex Bregman uh, went up against, and I forget the guy's name from Mississippi State, who, who went like top three. Is that something that even as a player, you're just like, bro, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to watch. Does that give a team energy in itself too? For me, I, I think it comes down to the player, um, like what what side of the ball they're interested in really. Um, I I personally like – so in 2014, we went to Vanderbilt for the opening night of SEC, and it was um, Tyler Beatty and Aaron Nola. Ah. We're starting, and those two dudes were just going at it. So mm-hmm. in the dugout, I was like, "Man, this is amazing!" You know, uh-huh. from from my perspective, I don't, I can't remember a time that um that I had a guy, but there is a funny story about um a dude <laughs> by the name of Wade Wass. So he played at a JUCO against us when we were in Unit, went to Bama and played there. He's a stud. And uh, before the game starts, our pitching coach in Unit is like, "All right, listen, the Wass kid is the real deal. We're not going to let him beat us." But we'll pitch around him. The rest of the lineup can't hurt us. So we're like, okay, cool. First inning, Friday night game. We go first guy out, second guy out. Wade Wass comes up. First pitch is like a foot off the plate. He sends it out straight center. (laughs) Like, well, guy beat us already. (laughs) Man, I know that Willis wasn't happy about that. I could could hear it now. God dang it. I could just hear hear it. <laughs> there's so many stories we would have to do. You know, we're not going to go there tonight, but there's uh, God. Let's just not go there. All right. Jamie Fortenberry says, you know what? I'll say it because you don't have to. I just hear his voice and just saying, God dang it. Like, I, I, anyway, that's Coach Coach Willis is the head coach at LSU Eunice. Um, hashtag ask Zach from Jamie Fortenberry. How many carries – do you give John Emery this week? A very talented guy. Everybody's been calling for him. Do you try to feed him the ball more this week? I I hope so. Um, I don't know. The whole, the whole idea has been that our offense has been so successful because we're throwing so much more. Um, but I do think you have to find a way to help him help out the quarterback in this situation. I think if you're going with Miles Brennan, I think you keep feeding the guy because he's good, but not forcing the ball to him. Whereas in a situation like this, I do think it would help Finley a ton, and I think it helps the entire offense a ton. If they have to watch Emery, 
then they have to key on him. Now, whether that's handoffs or passes to him like they used Elaire last year, right? They could do something similar, but mm-hmm. you have to make that guy a threat or else the deep threat just doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. Well, you know, and I think, too, he's got to clean some things up. Okay, like against Missouri, he tried to do the one-hand catch, Reggie Bush, and then make a juke. He was already trying to make the juke before he had the ball in his hands. Those are some things that I think Kevin Falk cleans up this week. But they're going to have to force him the football. They're going to have to force Chris Curry. They're going to have to force Terrace Marshall. I think that LSU comes out and forces it to Arik Gilbert. You know, some stuff that I've been hearing is that Terrace yeah. Marshall, uh, not Terrace Marshall, that TJ Finley and him have a connection. And why, you know, this week in practice, that it just kind of developed and they were like, God, dog, when 11 throws to number two, it's, you know, it's on a different level. So I think that those guys just have to step up big, which I hope so. I hope they have that chemistry. We have them for so many years together. <laughs> I know. It'd be awesome if they have it already. Well, and that's what I was about to ask you. Like certain guys, like certain pitchers, I, I know that we're comparing baseball to football. And, but the comparison I'm trying to get here is, is that, look, I've known pitchers. We might have a stud catcher. Okay. Like a stud. Hey, he can't catch me. Garrett Cole for the Yankees is a prime example. Hey, Sanchez, no, don't want him. Do you feel a connection like that, too, from a quarterback? Because the quarterback and the pitcher in baseball and football have a lot in common in the sense of, hey, they demand the game. It's on their shoulders 24-7. Do you think that there's a, that, that connection – well, I don't know how I'm going to ask this, but how is that connection built? Like, how, what has to happen for you to build that connection to have so much confidence? That's that's one of those weird things where some guys just kind of connect the same way that a friend would connect, right? That happens way before you get on the way before you get into game mode, like that. The, those dudes were probably they were probably being recruited together. They were probably going through all the steps at the same time. They they just kind of build that connection, you know. Um, on the other hand, it does help when you have the older guys step in and help you out. So, like you were saying, relieving some of the pressure there from certain guys. I remember when I got when I got um, to LSU, there were a couple catchers that had been there for a while that were like, "Hey, I'm you know like I'll work with you this and that, do whatever." Guys like Bregman were always willing to go out there and do anything you needed. Guys like Stevenson and Laird, you know, the guys who you knew would be backing you up in the outfield. And I, mm-hmm. I would bet that in football, it's very similar, right? You know that offensive line has been, in, has been in both Finley and Johnson's corner the whole week. You know the receivers have probably been like, hey, we got you. You know, trust us. We'll help you out. And all of that goes a long way. I would bet it's a little bit of all of it. Well, I say this because I know Clay Tajon's watching the stream right now. If I would have been Clay's college catcher, he would be in the major leagues right now because when he used to throw to me, guy was lights out. That's all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say, Willis should have signed me. That's all I'm going to say. All right, we have a question here. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. As From fake Les Miles, but we don't know if it's really fake Les Miles. We believe it is the real Les Miles. So the real Les Miles, please stand up. How many series does TJ get before Owen search Johnson? Let me ask you this, because from a confidence standpoint, okay, you don't want to pull a guy out too early. You don't want to pull out a guy too late. Look, we saw Snell last night from Tampa Bay. (laughs) They should have pulled him so much sooner, right? Where do you feel that confidence level comes from in a coach 
And what do you think that O needs to do this week for these two quarterbacks? Tough question, I know. (laughs) Yeah, there's a balance there, though, because if if you're Coach O and you're going to come out and and choose a guy um, that that what we thought might have been you know close to a 50 50 decision at the beginning of the week, if you're going to come out and name a guy, that has to be your guy. Um, And I understand getting reps to the other dude as well, but. I mean, if you want to go with Finley, if you're choosing Finley, you also you can't have him on a short leash because then every time he plays for the rest of his years here, he's just going to think, oh, I might be one mistake away from the bench again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think you have to let Finley roll. And if he makes a couple mistakes, you have to let him make a couple mistakes to an extent. Of course, you can't just let the game get away from you. But I don't think you can short leash a guy like that if you're choosing one over the other. It's the look. I know that, and I know we're a little past fifteen minutes. Zach, you got maybe another ten minutes with us. Oh yeah. Okay. I know it's a fine line, and these coaches get paid millions and millions of dollars to make these decisions. But I sure shit wouldn't want to make them. Okay. No. And you've been around a lot of great coaches, Coach Willis. You know, Paul Maneri. What do you think goes through their minds? And do they ever, like, really tell you what's going through their minds? And, like, for an example, if you felt that you got pulled too early or maybe that you got pulled too late, did they ever kind of tell you why they did it? Or were they kind of just like, uh, no, we're just going to pull them and then we don't really need to give them an exa- our, our reasoning? What I'll say is that um, so so Coach Mary, I've seen man ever since leaving that program, I've seen nothing but people criticize his bullpen move on, online. What I can say is that when I was there, Maneri and I were always like we were always on the same page on that. If he was making a decision, he had a reason for it. He would always explain it to me. I may let's say I would have a decent game, a Friday night appearance, and then. I may have one thing, whatever, one and a third, whatever, and he'll pull me. He would tell me it's because I think this game is feeling like it's going to go blank and blank. If it does, I want you to be available for tomorrow, not cashed out just because we want to stretch another inning out of you. So it was things like that. I don't know how it works in football, and I don't pretend to, <laughs> but I do know that. I do know that with, with Maneri and, and Dunn at LSU, they were always very open about it all. Now, I also think there are things they don't tell players, right? I think they hide certain things on purpose. But for me, every time I got pulled, there was there was an explanation for it. Well, so I don't know, Zach. I mean, being a football guy, I can I guess explain a little bit of it. I mean, football's a little bit more candid, okay? Because look, mm-hmm. you have less guys, you know, on a baseball field in a baseball clubhouse than you do on a football locker room. You can't really start saying things to coaches out in the open because you have 120 guys around you. You have training staff all around you. That's going to get back to them. And I think that they're a little bit more candid. And so I I was always wondering of that. And look, we can when baseball season gets a little bit closer, I do have a baseball question for you tonight. It's going to be asked. Okay. Okay. But, (laughs) well, I'll ask it next. I'll ask you next. But it's always just for me that – you know, these coaches coming in here and needing to mold these guys. And you and look, these guys are two true freshmen. They're 18, 17, 18 years old. And you, you don't want to burn that confidence. 
And and O talked about this today. Look, if TJ Finley's lighting it up, he ain't coming out. And it's like the same thing. You know, like I remember Alex Lang, you know, the I think it was his freshman year when he was undefeated. There were times that I know that he was 110, 112 pitches in there, and he was throwing a one-hitter. What the hell do you expect Paul Maneri to do? Like, he's got five more. Go ahead. Yeah, great story, great example, actually. So whenever we went to Omaha in 2015, we lost game one against TCU. Game two, Lane gets the ball. And Maneri, before the game, said, here you go, here's the ball, give it back to me after the ninth inning. That was it. But it was like if you like if we're playing bad, we're going home. So <laughs> go win, dude. Go win a game for us. That kid was a freshman at the time and was nothing but ready at that moment. It was crazy. That was an off moment. All right, we got one. We got one here for you. Hashtag Azzac from Jamie Fortenberry on Facebook Live. Hashtag Azzac. Should the Yankees keep DJ? That's DJ LeMahieu, and get rid of some of these other guys. I'm gonna answer that as a Yankees as a Yankees fan. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yes. I mean, look. Why get rid of them? Well, I think if it's, you're the Yankees. Yeah, isn't that your thing? <laughs> you, just, you keep everybody that you want to keep anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're not sh- they're not short on cash uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But yes, Zach, let me ask you this question because but it, absolutely, this oh, yeah, bugs sorry, me. But absolutely, yes, oh, DJ. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, that's yeah. A batting title and a couple different teams and two different the uh, and the NL and the AL that's that never happens. It's only happened one other time. Okay, hell yeah, you right. keep him. I do got a baseball yeah. question for you though that always bugs the absolute shit out of me. I see you got a beard. Okay. I have a beard. I've seen photos of the lettuce coming out of the hats for these LSU baseball players, and I've seen beards. Please, for the love, yeah. I'm not bashing pulmonary here. I'm not bashing. But for the love of God, please tell me why Paul Maneri doesn't let the guys let the lettuce flow a little bit more and let them keep the beard. Well, I think having the beard now is is a step in that direction. Um, I I always thought it was kind of a uh, you got to earn it kind of thing. So um, I remember my senior year. Uh, a couple of the older guys really begged them and were like, hey, we want to do a uh, no-shave November. So November came around and we all had beards. But I'm telling you, on December 1st, <laughs> if there was a hair on that face, he was going to be furious. But, no, I think it's just kind of one of those culture things. It's the same reason guys are more than willing to shave clean cut when they move to New York. It's, it's the same kind of thing of like, no, this is just what we do. It looks good whenever we walk out on the field. And I was fine with it. I always wanted to grow a beard, not because I thought a beard looked good, but because I was just too lazy to shave it. <laughs> Me so, too. Me too. Yeah. I don't, I don't trim my beard. It just grows. And then eventually I get tired of it. You know, that's just, just lazy I cared about it. I never cared. For me, I never really thought twice about it. Well, my wife, I, she tells me I got to trim the mustache because if you see right here, it looks like my mustache has its own 401k plan, as a as a as someone commented before. So, you know. You got yeah, that Jimmy Butler mustache. I do have that Jimmy Butler mustache. I do. I need to trim it. You make, you look, I mean, it's, look, I mean, you can curl that thing, okay? I mean, I don't have a clay tie. You <laughs> I should maybe I should go it up like that. Maybe we'll, we'll see. Why not? I, I don't have that Clay Tajon uh, beard hair though. Mine gets all gray see, now, and it just you know. No, no, no. 
I refuse to accept that. Look, Clay is a beautiful man, but you having the beard thing, that's all mental, man. It's all mental. You got it. Just let it go. Let it go. I hear you. Zach, I got a couple more questions for you and we'll get we'll we'll get you out of here. I think the biggest question for a lot of people, and I don't really want to put you on the spot, so just stop me if if this is a little too much. Like seriously, stop me, okay? Ellis, you got you got popped this week, okay, in reference to the Our Lady of the Lake, you know, with the boosters and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not hinting or saying that you knew or anything like that not not a chance but did you ever hear stories and of that kind of thing happening and if so was it very normal for you to hear those kind of stories and because I, I think from a listener's standpoint okay from a listener's standpoint they hear the stories but what they don't hear is the actual truth all all these guys get paid all of them have money in their lockers after they win which is not relatively true. Did you ever hear those rumors going around LSU uh, during that time frame? No. Um, we so we would always joke. <laughs> we would always joke, man. That fall parking lot is real nice when they're working out, though. But <laughs> we never actually heard. We never actually heard of anything under the table, anything legal. I can't say of a time that any like baseball players were aside from the joke of like, well, you can't let that guy buy your drink at the bar, you know, like that, that kind of joke, which technically is a violation. But as in terms of like all like underground dealing and everything, no, we didn't deal with that. We didn't really know anything about that. Well, listen, I'll tell a story. Okay. And it, it, it it's, you know, a long time ago, so it, it's okay. I went out in Baton Rouge one night, and I just so happened to see my cousin Evan, Tajon, and Rafe Rhymes, okay? And look, I'm 21. I'm having a good time. There's a lot of ladies around. I mean, hell, it's the the Golden Spikes Award winner sitting around here, and I'm like, yeah, I'm friends with this dude. Like the second or third time I ever met Rafe Rhymes, okay? And so, But Rafe is a good enough guy that Rafe will make you feel like you're his friend the second time you speak to him. Right? Correct. It's, he's He's got a gift. That dude has a real gift. For and that. remember my name. He's like, hey, you're Blake Evans' cousin. Mm-hmm. And I would not even seen Evan. And then Evan walks up. Yeah. You know, Rafe's I was going to I was gonna buy him like a drink. And this was, you know, he had just left LSU. Okay. He had just left LSU. So it wouldn't have been a violation. But you can mm-hmm. tell that even then he was kind of like, not iffy, but just kind of like, man, I don't want to get these guys in trouble. And I think mm-hmm. that there's more people aware of that, like you guys, and you know, of stuff like that happening. Now, I bought a man a drink. We had a drink. We had a good time. It, it's all fine. It's all fun. But right. I, I think that people don't fully understand. Look, as soon as that happened, okay, this week, my DMs, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, God, just leave it. I mean, it. I just wanted all of these 72 people that are watching us right now to – to hear kind of like what you've heard. Now, I know baseball and football are different, but I think if it was really prevalent, you would have heard because you obviously see those guys and you saw those guys around. I'm sure you have, you know, they're friends of yours. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know of any, I haven't read all of that story, but the bits I've seen were like world shattering to me. That's how little I knew about it. I was like, dude, if this is true, this is wild. So I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I mean, 
<laughs> the OBJ thing, okay, like <laughs> <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that's that's different. totally different. That's a guy who probably just drank too much that night. He did. That's really what that was. That's not some like weird cabal of like underground workings. That's just some dude who just was kind of trashed. It was like, I'm so excited. I don't know how else to handle it. Well, and they gave the money back, but it was just a violation of it. LSU gave the money back. They paid that penalty. You know, I mean, it stinks that he's got the ban, but, you know, it kind of sets a precedent. Like, hey, you can't come to LSU and do that. Okay, mm-hmm. but right. look, I don't care. Listen to me and tell me if you feel the same. Promise you last question. Even if they did get popped, we won the natty. If it takes a small little violation, okay. Like, I don't care. I was My That's, big ass was crying after the game. Exactly. You can't take that celebration cigar out of my mouth. So here's how I felt about it was like, uh, it's the same kind of thing with, Oh, they took away Reggie Bush's Heisman trophies. Okay. Did he no longer win the Heisman now? Was he no longer like one of the most influential college athletes I've ever seen? You can't take that away. It doesn't matter how hard you try. (laughs) It happened. Right. Well, Zach, I want to tell you this because I know that you're about to be a new dad. Happily married man. (laughs) But what happens is, and if you're going to be getting back into podcasting and stuff like that, what happens, okay, is that someone gets a little too tall. And they learn yep. how to open doors. And then they try to take your earphones off. And ah! <laughs> he, he has a question. What's your question? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, either way. So, you know, it, it's stuff like this. You gotta have to learn how to lock doors. If I can give you any parenting advice, when they turn one, no, you can't touch the beer with the 401k. You can't. See, he's already after my money, Zach. He's already after well, my money. Ah! Bye. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I mean, you can't take that victory cigar out of the mouth of LSU. You can't take this 2019 uh, uh, trophy away from LSU. And <laughs> Clay Toshans is laughing from what happened. Okay. Uh, but, all right, I keep saying last question, last question, but I can sit here and talk. You know what? Zach, give us five minutes until the show's over, and we'll get you out of here. Okay? Fair enough? I'm fine. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm good. All right. What do you – you've been on a lot of great baseball teams. And then coming out, like you talked about going to Omaha. When you've had a good team, and maybe if you did fall short, coming back next year, was there ever a lack of, like, we're, we're LSU, so we just can do what we want? Or was there always a focus from you guys, like, hey, look, we got to go out there and, and, and work. Take us there because LSU baseball is always synonymous of being very good and the hard work that it takes to get there. I would say that's a top-down thing. Um, and, I, and I would also say that they do a great job of reminding you every single day that no one is going to let you beat them, right? In fact, it's the exact opposite. You're going to get every single midweek game's Friday night starter. You're going to get all of the best from everybody. You're going to get the target on your back the whole time. So they will tell you, if you're having a bad day in a practice in September, they're going to let you know, if you guys play like that, you're going to be terrible next year. Nobody else cares that you play for a good team. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody. And so I would say LSU, specifically in baseball, I don't know how the other programs work, but I'm assuming if they're winning that they're the same way. They do a very good job, top to bottom, of reminding you that you aren't anything and you've never accomplished anything yet. 
mm-hmm. because the season hasn't started and hasn't worked its way out yet. Great points uh, that you bring up there. You you said something there that's been a trigger for a lot of people, and I got to ask. We've talked about it before, and something that really gets gets my gears going, okay, and really starts mm-hmm. ticking me off. People say midweek games don't matter. I, I'll do this on on my show. Bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. I know that it's Paul's formula in some of these things. But we've seen this before, Zach, and we've seen it in football. And I think now that baseball – look, we have a team right now that their entire payroll in the Tampa Bay Rays is the, is the equivalent of three players for the Dodgers. Okay. Do we think – is there a scenario where Maneri maybe has to say that, look, we have to go out here and win these midweek games? Here's the reason why I say that. Go back and look at all the national title winners over the last 10 years and their midweek game losses. Do you want to know the shocking statistic of how many midweek games they lost? Two and a half. The last time we did it. Okay, and so there comes a point where it talks about focus too. Take us in there because I know that you guys never wanted to lose a midweek game, but what's the formula that Paul's trying to to get at? And why does it seem like that LSU just always struggles in the midweek? Very quickly. It used to tick me off more than anything. (laughs) And I know how baseball works. I've been around it my entire life. That you're putting a guy in in a close game that you've never seen in the later part of the season, versus and like and you need to start like dogpiling these wins. Take us a little bit there. Um, I think it's a I think it's a little of both. Um, whenever I was there, we I think we did pretty well in midweek games, but we lost a couple. Um, and in those. I can say that it was not for – I never felt like it was for uh, managerial moves. I I every time felt like, man, we had dudes in place who were good enough to get it done, and some of us dropped the ball. Sometimes it was me. Sometimes it was someone else. That's just how teams work. But sometimes you just – sometimes guys don't deliver. On the other hand, um, I, can, I can recall uh, an example of Jake Fraley getting random pinch hit spots whenever he was a freshman – maybe not succeeding in these midweek games, but then coming up to drive a game-winning hit in a huge SEC game later that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think without the reps at the beginning, he doesn't go into the cages every single day with with a chip on his shoulder. So I think it's a little bit of both, of, of getting your guys in spots, one, seeing what they can do, two, seeing how they respond to how they did, and then three, also, you just have to know that if you want to call yourself a championship caliber team, your backups need to be good enough to get it done. Because at any moment, I mean, God forbid, at any moment, Brayman could have rolled his ankle. Then what? Who's yeah. out there? Some guy who hasn't seen the field yet? That's a good point. It's hard to do. It's it's a hard balance to make. And and I, I'm not <laughs> here to say that I think those games don't matter because I think they do. And whenever you're a team, you want to beat everyone that you're better than and then also win all the games that you might not be supposed to win. That's how teams work, and I understand that. So for a midweek game, of course you want to win that game, and of course it matters. And it's a quiet-ass bus ride when you don't. But at the same time, it's like sometimes these moves do need to be made. It doesn't mean the game is less important. It means that these moves are. 
Well, I'm okay. Okay, like as an example. Okay, last year, and I, yeah, I know the season was cut short, and I know that they had a, lo- a lot of young guys. But why in the Rudy Poo are you taking out a guy that's three for four and Gavin Duga? Okay, when they, you're only up by one and Gavin Duga hit a bomb and two doubles, and the game you're only up by one. That, I think Zach, that's the that's the part where people are just like, man. And then you have yeah. and then you have Hal Hughes that comes in <laughs> and strikes out. Okay, so I I love Hal, great guy. Okay, look, really, I love Hal. But man, it, it, that's where I think that it just comes to a point where LSU fans just want to know that question. Zach, we got one more minute. I want to end it here. How do you see the game going Saturday? What do you think the final score will be for the Tigers uh, 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 at the end? When we do the post-game show, are we going to have a lot of angry fans calling in, or are we going to have a lot of happy fans? Well, since you're dealing with LSU fans, I think it's a safe bet to say they'll be angry no matter what. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think – I mean, I think LSU comes out and wins, I think, which, again, like I said not long ago, though, I'm always going to pick them to win. Yeah. And I, I think they're the better team, and I think they'll win the game based off of being the better team. Now, I think that's really going to come into play is, is we'll see what changes the defense has made. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be the start of, of where the defense is supposed to be and will be from here on out. Now, that's rooted in a lot of optimism. And I don't really have a reason to believe that we did make the change other than the fact that it was just glaringly obvious that we needed to make a change two weeks ago. So I'm assuming that changes have been made, and I think we'll start to see that. The offense wasn't the problem. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.